The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome, everyone. And first and foremost, thank you for being an intentional spirit. And thank you for your intending that our show is now shared with people all over the world. I just honor and appreciate and respect you so much. So we are excited today that we are featuring the works of Chris Christine Davis. And she is a mover and a shaker and by far an intentional spirit. And she's going to offer us some tools today. Um, and sharing some of her insight and how she has done a lot of work for uh, the animals of the world and also how she has evolved into a greater work that she has been doing. So welcome to our show today, Chris. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you, Temple. I'm delighted to be here. Well, I, um, you are an author of, of five books, and congratulations, because I, I personally know what it's like to author books and still, you know, have your life. <laughs> so <laughs> really? Before, before we get started in talking about the work in the fields in which you specialize, how did you get on this, uh, how did you get on this journey? You know, sometimes my, my friends and I, we, we have a good belly laugh because we, we talk about, you know, how sometimes we must just be old souls because we're always concerned about the world, you know, where some people can just go and uh, play golf and, <laughs> and not think about it. <laughs> but you, I already get from seeing your uh, website, uh, lightheartedpress.com, that uh, you're like us. You're always thinking about oh, what can I do to contribute to the world? But did you start out that way or did you evolve into that? Well, I was always interested in animals ever since I was a little girl. I had that connection with animals. I was the little child that was bringing in the bird that had fallen or, or some critter that needed help. And But somehow when I finally started working and I was in New York City, I went into corporate America, I was following that path, and, and yet it didn't quite feel right. Uh, many years ago, I transitioned out from the East Coast to the West Coast, where I am now, and I came to this wonderful, quirky city called Portland, Oregon, and uh, that's when the possibilities really started to present themselves to me. And although I, I stayed in some quirky fields, I, I always felt something calling to me, something that would have to involve my connection with animals, my love for them, my my hope in living in a world and on a planet where we could all live together peaceably. And finally, in 1995, uh, I went to meet with a very spiritual woman and we started talking about how that new work might manifest itself. And I could feel it getting closer and closer. And, and one day, I came home and my beautiful forever dog, I called her my forever dog, Martha, who was in my yard. I had a big fenced yard, and the doggies could all come and go. And there's Martha in a trance, just standing there, not motionless, not recognizing me, but not collapsed. And that would begin two weeks of Martha leaving me, even though I couldn't I couldn't accept that. I called on all that New York stubbornness of myself, and I figured I'm meant to heal her. That's what the universe wanted. I was meant to heal her, and, and in fact, it was the opposite. I was meant to say goodbye to Martha, and it was her staggering, unexpected loss that would lead me to write my first book, For Every, For Every Dog and Angel, which was dictated to me when I was doing shamanic journey work. I was drumming, actually, 
and I was drumming one day, and I, I hear a title being given to me. I, I literally heard, I'm supposed to write a book called For Every Dog and Angel, and people are looking for this book, and you're the only one who can write it. And I stopped everything, and about a year later, For Every Dog and Angel was manifested. And that was the beginning of my unexpected career as a writer. <laughs> That's, that's such a, a beautiful, a beautiful story. And, you know, it, it's so interesting, I imagine, because, you know, you and I share um, such a, an immense background in, in shamanism. And, um, you know, the simplicity of that is that we really get that we are intertwined and that we are so connected to all living things. And um, it always shocks me when people live a life that they feel separate you know, from those things. But that's a different talk for a different day, we would say. But it's very interesting when you look at those of us that are like, that's part of who we are. That's part of what we were birthed here to be. It is interesting how animals found all of us at an early age, isn't it? And maybe it's because, you know, the animals knew that our parents weren't going to recognize our gifts right away and send us to the mystery school. <laughs> so we need <laughs> You know, we needed that love and we needed that energy vibration and, and that connection. But but like you, all these years later, I have come into just doing some immense work, you know, for the animals. Well, with your with your dog, Martha, then she um, helped awaken uh, that which was lying dormant, but was always there with you. And then you went on to write a book for every cat and angel. Right. And what do you uh, talk about in in the books? And they're also available, those of you that are listening on Amazon as well. But what what do you uh, what are some of the core values or some of the ideas that you offer, um, Chris, in the book? Can I call you Chris or do you prefer Christine? Oh, Chris. And thanks okay. for asking. OK. Yes. It's it's kind of interesting because, again, since this was not thought out. It's not as if I was, okay, I'm going to be a writer, and this is my platform, and this is my message. It was more presented to me, and my writing would turn out to be very um, very magical, very ethereal, uh, ethereal. I would wind up illustrating my books, and I'm not an artist, but somehow I was led to do the artwork, which would be very simplistic. It went with the simple words, and people seem to gravitate towards that because my first two books were about grieving when you've lost a critter, but again, they were, they were taking people to a place of comfort and joy where they could see in these almost childlike illustrations that you're, you're not separated, you may not be traveling side by side, but you're still together. Uh, and, and when you're grieving, as you well know, I'm sure, Temple, you need something soft and cushy and comfortable to help soften all of those painful edges around your heart when, when you've lost a beloved critter. I've spoken to many people over the last 17 years. Many of them have told me that the loss of one of their animals was tougher than the loss of maybe even one of their friends or family members. That's how close our connections are with our animals. So that's what was coming out. Childlike images and simple words to bring to bring comfort to people who didn't know how they were going to get on with their lives with their animals gone from them. Mm, I, yeah, I just I just love that and I I love that you created the comfort gift box for cat lovers and for for dog lovers, and it is, it is so um, wrenching um, difficult um, when you lose a companion. Um, somebody said it beautifully to me one time because she had lost her cat of like, you know, 20 years. And she said, unlike any other thing in my life or person in my life, when I think of my, of any image of my life, I see my cat there. You know, it's like there's this representation of where were we? You know, she said, I don't always remember the years I've lived somewhere or whatever where I was traveling to. But I think of, well, where was my cat? <laughs> you know, and that that was such a beautiful way of, of framing it. 
Uh, absolutely. Um, I um, lost one of my Yorkie dogs. They were litter mates and the two of them have been together. They weigh like five and six pounds, um, you know, for almost 14 years. And one of them passed this past year. And wow, you know, it's taken me to places deep that I didn't even know was <laughs> existed um, because of just the, you know, the missing and um, and all that. Again, that connection, you know, the the things that you get used to and that that familiarity. So I love that you're offering the the comfort of gift box. How, where did that come from? Did that just was that like, OK, maybe if we just put a package together, it would make it more simplistic for people. Did you get guided to the certain things that needed to be in there? Over the years, people have asked for more gift type items because my books are so often bought by people who are giving them as gifts to uh -huh. other people. Um, my gift, my books are used by veterinarians all over North America in their sympathy programs. So I was aware that people were looking for just something extra, but I spent a lot of time researching what I felt would go with the books. I, I've always loved candles, so doing a little candle felt 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 like the right thing. And I had done the little wristbands, the little rainbow bridge wristbands already a few a few years before. And oh, people love those little wristbands. Uh, they, I don't know, they bring them comfort. Everything was really around what can I do that when a person either reads it or looks at it or puts it around their arm, it's going to just bring them a little bit of a little bit of peace, maybe even bring them a little smile. And if it if it brought me a smile or brought me a sense of peace, I thought then I can authentically present it to others because I know it helped me and I can help maybe it would help them too. Well I also love that in the um in the comfort packages that you're offering of uh, flower seeds, forget me not seeds so that you know something can be planted uh that's living and i i tell people that all the time in my grief coaching and counseling is that it's so wonderful i urge people when there's been a loss of a pet or uh, a loss of a loved one to take their children and do a ritual of planting you know so that uh and it becomes like it has this whole life presence you know um, about 12 years ago, my father passed, and I still have, all these years later, all these peace lilies from his um, funeral. And, um, you know, then it becomes, a, you know, do you mind if we replant your dad in the backyard? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's a peace lily, but yet it has this immense representation of, of that sense of mindfulness uh, towards the energy of that. I, I would also urge all of you listening to, you know, contact your, your local uh, veterinarians and tell them about, because I'm going to, tell them about these um, wonderful comfort kits for dog and cat lovers uh, that they can find at Christine's website, lightheartedpress.com, because this is wonderful and a great thing to add um, to people that are out there that are supporting supporting the work. It's incredible. Uh, it's interesting that you bring up about, uh, about those seeds because I had never heard of them until I lost my mom eight years ago to Alzheimer's. And she was in hospice, and all oh, those wonderful hospice people, they keep in touch with you for a year afterwards, and they sent me... Uh, a little bookmark that had a, a plantable seed packet on it. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of these. So I contacted them and I did a little research and I found a place in Canada that actually did them with paw prints and a, a cat uh, outline and a dog outline. And I knew immediately those were going to be part of the comfort boxes. Absolutely had to be there. Absolutely. That's so great. Um... And you must find just such pleasure getting letters from people that have either read the books and or 
um, participated in just healthy grieving um, because that's something that we are still really getting um, in our society is the value of, of healthy grieving and feeling your feelings. And that must just mean the world to you to get that feedback from some of your readers. I see that you have some comments online and it must just, you just kind of go back to thank you, Martha. <laughs> thank you, Martha, my, my cat that, that helped catapult, you know, all of these great awarenesses in the world. How cool is that? I have had the privilege of receiving so many lovely notes and people have sent me gifts when Jake was still with me, my dog. Jake was regularly getting biscuits and, and picture frames. And, and oddly enough, just two days ago, just Saturday, someone uh, in, in New York who had given a book to a boy, she sent me a letter here and she said she had given for every dog and angel to a very sweet little boy who was challenged with autism. And she had just received a, a letter from him, from this little boy, and she wanted me to have the letter. And I'm reading this little letter from this sweet little boy, and, and he writes, Dear Debbie, because it was sent to the woman who gave him the book, I like the book that you gave us. Thank you very much. It makes me feel better. And he goes on to talk about having lost his dog, Laszlo. And I'm sitting there with tears falling down my face because this was two years ago he had received the book, and it, it, this letter made its way to me, and I thought, how blessed am I? How lucky am I to have the opportunity to to share my life with animal lovers? I always say animal lovers are the best people, Temple, and, and uh, this little boy was one of those beautiful people who came my way. No, I just, I just love that. And after, um, after break, I'll share with you a, um, a story that's uh, very touching to me as well. And I just, again, want to highlight, thank you, Martha, for creating all this through you. But you had to be willing to allow this to be created through you. And I'm very grateful on behalf of our planet Earth that you did. Everyone, I'm talking today with Christine Davis, with Chris Davis. You can go to her website, Light heartedpress.com. You can also find her work on amazon.com as well. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, indeed the voice of an awakening world, and we will be right back following this short break. Thank you for being with us. listening to unity online radio the voice of an awakening world to support this ministry go to www.unity.fm and click on donate now your contribution helps us broadcast messages of love and inspiration throughout the world hello listeners did you know we've gone mobile That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity online radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit www.unity.fm and click on Mobile Listening. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, 
practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach. Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with Rev. Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Rev. Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone, and thank you for being an intentional spirit and participating in our show and sharing it with your friends and your network, because together, in some way, we are making a ripple effect that offers a change in consciousness and teaches a greater awareness of what it really means to be spiritual, what it really means to be participating and collaborating in a world that works for all Um In other words, doing something and taking action and being proactive instead of being on the sidelines and just talking about hope for change. Well, Chris Davis is one of those people that through listening, through listening, the purpose was revealed to her in the way of becoming an author. And Chris, I think that that's an important point to make to people is like, you know, you you. From the very beginning of your life, you were connected to the earth and connected. And then you learn the way that people teach us to, to learn as a child. Of we're supposed to be involved in corporate America and, chi- and climb a ladder and, you know, do all those things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes lying deep within many of us, we have a much greater purpose. And often people will say, I don't know what my purpose is. But the thing of it is, is that if you pay attention it it eventually will find you, you know, because what we're seeking is seeking us. And I I love that about your sacred story is that these, you know, these moments of your life uh, prepared you um, to do what you are. You know, it just, um, I don't, it just, I find it fascinating. I absolutely do. Oh, I totally agree with that. I I guess that's one of the things I've been grateful for, that somehow, even though I had my crazy upbringing, which I know we're going to talk about later, but somehow I always learned to listen to the messages that were coming. I was always hearing messages or voices one way or another, and I intuitively knew that they would they would be true and they would guide me to where I needed to go. And and the message to follow the animals was clear from the minute I think I was born. Me too. Me too. That that's where I got my um, where I, where I received the most comfort. You know, was that I think that that was just the gift is that um, you know that unconditional love was was always present. It was always there, and I always needed that animal medicine. Um, for me to cope with all the other things uh, around me, um, because I a lot of it I always felt adopted and like I just really didn't fit in. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing, and and, and just like Martha, uh, your cat, then did this opening of your heart and the opening of your purpose in a greater way. Um, like you, I've been you know, doing nonchalantly. I've been supporting people and finding animals all their lives, encouraging people to, you know, go to like petfinder.com and other places to, to recycle, you know, the, the animals. And when I went to Brazil a couple of years ago on a uh, sacred journey, uh, Brazil, like all countries, and I've learned how to say that as well, um, don't seem to be that educated with the value of animals and, and that they are part of our, uh, they have a lot to teach us. They have a lot to offer us. And as adults, we are co-responsible to their well-being and their good. And so I um, had a um, divine encounter, if you will, um, with a a dog named Sophie. And 
we then brought eight dogs back from Brazil, and um, it's just changed um, my life. I get letters from these dogs. I get photos from their families. There are sacred stories to all of them, and and we've continued to receive uh, gifts and uh, donations from people all over uh, to support this this mission. And we also have, um, Chris, you're not aware of this, but within our spiritual community, we have rescue teams come each Sunday and bring uh, the the first and third Sunday of the month is would be dogs, and the second and fourth Sunday of the month are cats. And we've adopted in just a few months uh, thirty plus animals to forever homes. Isn't that oh cool? That is wonderful. What what a terrific idea. Are are other ministries doing that? Well, we're going to know that they are. It's on our website at firstunity.org, so you can check that out. But we are, you know, spreading the word within the unity movement as well as within other movements because it's just such a simple idea, like a big old hello, like hello, you know, <laughs> you know, because it's like we're there, people are there, um, people come, guests come, and um, you know, it's just been amazing, and uh, I just love it because we're we're doing more than just talk about it, you know. We're doing more, you know. It's like we used to say, treat and move your 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 feet, you know. Well, you gotta you gotta pray and you gotta go a new way, you know. You just can't <laughs> just. I mean, we have some responsibilities as well, so I'm just really thrilled about it. I really, I really am. Well, um, you have this other book that I'm curious about that um, makes me want to read it. It's called Shelter Dog. Uh, Talk to us about that. I have had the great pleasure of working with uh, rescue organizations all over the country and, and some in Canada over the years. And I was always being asked if I would write a book about a shelter dog, especially a dog, um, who maybe doesn't appear to be perfect, for lack of a better word, that when the families are going through the kennels and looking for a critter, there are many animals who might have something going on and the people pass them by. And people in the rescue community said, can't you write something that talks about that? And one day I heard a story, and it was so clear to me, and I, I wrote that one very quickly, and it was about, it begins with an angel dog. And this is the only time I have ever named a critter in any of my books. And this dog's name was Hero. And Hero's already in heaven. He's flying through the skies with the other angel dogs. And, and they all share stories. And, and Hero hears these other angel dogs talking about how wonderful it was to be adopted from shelters. And he wants to go back and experience that. So he asks the angel who watches over the animal shelters, if if he can go back to Earth and become a, a shelter dog, and the angel looks at him and says, "Oh, hero, it's it, it's not always the way it sounds, but hero wants to go back, and so his wish is granted." And when he arrives on Earth, though, he's an old dog with a bad back leg. In fact, he limps, and so he will present in the kennel as one of those dogs that maybe people will pass by. And in fact, they do pass him by until pretty much the last moment. His his time in that shelter is coming to an end, and then that's when something miraculous happens. And I, I, I can hardly talk about that one because I remember so well drawing the artwork for it. And uh, it, it's a beautiful ending. All my books have happy endings. I have to have the happy ending, and this one has a very happy ending. I I love that. And, you know, one of the things that um, that I've been doing, Chris, is um, and I, I, I recognize you for allowing me the opportunity to share. But this is just it's just right up there with the top of my passion list um, that um, with me, I think that um, how I sometimes use a shock factor and it's coming out in, in my new book that will be released uh, the latter part of this year, is that we have to, if we start using words that are truthful, I think we can have change 
a little faster. In other words, people that say, you know, well, we're taking our animals in and they put them to sleep. When you put something to sleep, it wakes up. <laughs> you don't, uh, you're not putting an animal to sleep. You are, you're taking its life. You are, uh, you're murdering the animal. And so, you know, there are, there's the time of mercy. I get that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, when people don't want to be inconvenient, so they call it inconvenience and those kind of things. We're not putting animals to sleep and it, we call it a big word that uh, even the children don't understand initially, euthanization. When it's, we are killing these animals, we're taking their lives. And, um, and I've just gotten where I just don't use the soft approach anymore. <laughs> but I just like, let's really call it, you know, what it is, because um, that is what it is. Um, and um, and I, I speak sometimes uh, to the city officials about the issues around this, of how we're not modeling a healthy planet to our children. Because we we use these words that we've become desensitized because we hide behind uh, complicated words that aren't really calling it the truth of what it is, you know. So I do know I I I do understand I I work with a lot of people who are doing I guess you would call it grassroots rescue and in fact I I dedicated the shelter dog to I called all of those earth angels. The people who they give everything. This is coming out of their own pockets many times, and they devote their time, their what little money they have. They give up sleep. They're being called at two in the morning to go and 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 pick up a dog that was hit by a car or a litter of kittens. They give their whole lives to to do exactly what, what I think you're addressing here. They realize that this is a sacred being, and there's a life at stake there and every one of those lives is precious and meaningful and important and these rescue folks they understand that i am always left in awe at how open their hearts are there's no there doesn't ever see a bound, seem to be a boundary or a limitation to how much they will give they will give everything they can to minister to save and hopefully find a good home for these animals in need, just like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's part of the great awakening is just to get more um, of the collective mass of people to just do a little bit more um, instead of just a few of us attempting to do, uh, you know, the the majority of it, and that's and that's where we uh, we want to. We want to be, and I don't know if you're familiar with it, but unity, that's one of the things I find so, uh, such an invitation of the principles of unity is the co-founders, uh, they were vegetarian and they were very much dedicated to, uh, the animal kingdom. Um, and at unity village, you'll see the deer, um, you'll see all the natural, the birds, the animals, uh, coexisting. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to to model. Well, you have a new. Yeah. Well, I like to always share with people that on, on the show because um, a lot of people aren't aware of it. Um, they tend to think of unity as a philosophy, uh, whereas unity really is a it is that. But more importantly, um, you know, philosophies are nice, but it's when they become a way in which we live and move and have our being that then they're really special and and um, equate to that uh, sacred dimension within all of us. Well, tell us about the the recent book, um, kind of highlight some of that for us. And then in our last segment, we'll get into the deeper part of it. But how did your newest book come about? It's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, this is... This is the surprise. This was the magnificent, unexpected, awe-inspiring surprise in my life. Uh, for somebody who had been writing for 17 years, I've, as you mentioned earlier, I'd done five books, and just for animal lovers, it was 
it was my genre. I loved it. I, I thought I'd be doing that forever. And one day, almost two years ago, I was, it always laughs, makes me laugh when I think about it. I was sitting down to pay my monthly bills, and, you know, I'm paying that gosh darn cable bill again, and, and I'm looking at my cable bill thinking, you know, for someone who doesn't watch much television, this seems like a lot of money to be paying for my cable TV bill, and that sent me running to get my remote and turn on the TV, and I was, like, daring the universe. I said, okay. I am going to look right now. I'm going to find one show, just one show that I've never seen that will light my fire and bring me inspiration, and and then I'll be at peace with my cable bill. (laughs) And I'm going through the guide, and I, I see a show called Merlin. I had never heard of it or seen it before. And I immediately thought of, oh, King Arthur and Camelot and dragons, because I I loved Camelot from when I was a little girl, and I knew the stories of King Arthur, and I thought, okay, that must be the show. And I would wind up recording 26 episodes at that one moment, because I did not know the show had been on for four years. I'd never heard of it, but it had been on for four years, and they were going to rerun the first two seasons. So that was 26 episodes, and I recorded them, and I sat down to start watching a few a night, and... I fell in love with the show. I, I it had everything I liked. It was family oriented, so it wasn't too violent, and it it had the whole Arthur legend. And Arthur is not king yet; he's still prince. And the dragons and the wizard and, and magic, everything that would keep me kind of in, enthralled. And I'm working my way through, and I get up to episode 21 one night. I'm in my bedroom watching this one. It's it's the beginning of July, and and I watch an episode where Arthur is betrayed very badly by his father. And he comes flying back to the castle, and he's holding his sword, and he runs into the chambers where his father, the king, is, and Arthur is intent on killing his father. But first he looks at him with this murderous, betrayed eyes. He's, he's a young man, but you see the child who's been betrayed by his parent. And he says a few things. I know what you did to my mother, is what he says, because the betrayal involved his mother, who had died at childbirth. And then he lunges. He goes after the father. Uh, he, eventually, he, he was able to uh, take the father's sword away. He holds his father at sword point, and in comes Merlin to sort of save the day. However, at this point, I was absolutely unaware of what's going on because I had jumped off my four-poster bed. I'm on the other side of the bedroom in front of the television, screaming at the top of my lungs, shaking the bedpost so hard that the bedpost collapsed. I'm digging my nails into the palms, and yes, I've drawn blood. I am in a whole other place that I couldn't even begin to understand where I was, how I got there, what was happening to me, until moments later I, I fell to the floor and in that moment, just, just seconds after this had happened, Temple, I knew exactly what had happened. And that would lead to me stopping everything, stepping away from my, my life for almost two years and writing my new book called Breathing, Breathing Fire. Wow, the divine awakening of the, of the sacred heart. That is, that is so powerful. And, and what a, what an immense opportunity and seemingly initial devastation of something catching you, um, so off guard. Well, I, I'm looking forward to hearing more about this. We're going to go to break now. You're listening to The Intentional Spirit and author Christine Davis. You can go to her website, lightheartedpress.com. Her books are also on Amazon. I want to thank all of you that follow us on Unity Online Radio and thank you for your contributions to this radio station, which allows us to teach these vibrant messages, which are so necessary in a world that works for for all. Those of you that love the messages on this show can go to unitycampus.org and find out more about what we're doing uh, all over the globe. We'll be right back after this brief message. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, 
and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Rev. Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone, and thank you for being with us today as we're talking with Christine, Chris Davis, the author of several books related to animals, the author of um, a work that offers comfort also through veterinarians on individuals that have lost animals to help them grieve. But our newest book that we're addressing today is Breathing Fire, How a Knight from a Mythical Kingdom Awakened Me from a Spell. And Christine, before we, Chris, before we went to break, you were talking about how, you know, you had had this um, really rough childhood and it had kind of been just, somewhere lying there in, in the cave of your mind. And wow, how through watching Merlin and being tuned into that, you were totally caught off guard and you had all these memories coming coming up. It's so amazing that you were willing to write that because um, so many people keep these kind of sacred stories to themselves when we could really all benefit from learning and and learning more about it like people sometimes they say you know i'm just so amazed at how you talk so freely about you know alcoholism and your sobriety for 27 years and i go i earned the right to talk about it (laughs) (laughs) why would i not talk about something that gosh it was just wild but um anyway talk to me about uh your your experience of of that was it hard was it hard or freeing writing the book, or was it both? Oh, it was. It was beyond freeing. I briefly, what had happened was, I I had been sadly, like so many people, I had been sexually abused by my father for years uh, when I was a child. These were not repressed memories. These these uh, experiences went into my early teens, so I remembered everything. I simply had been told to never talk about it, and I was a very sensitive little kid. Uh, I had gone to my mother, and I begged her to help me, and she told me, don't you ever talk that way about your father. And my mother was involved in the abuse, so she knew this. It's not like I was trying to convince her of something that she didn't want to believe. She was part of it. So Mm -hmm. all that childhood rage was just pressed down inside of me for, well, almost a half a century, that long. And 
I lived in my imagination. I spent my whole life in my imagination because that was the only place I was really safe. And my little child abandoned me, and I became an adult at the age of seven because that would be the only way I could survive. And it was the adult, I think, temple that brought me into corporate America. And, you know, as you said, this is what you're supposed to do. And But there was that little part inside of me, that, that imaginative, imaginative part that used to talk to I almost hate to admit this, but I remember talking to cobwebs. <laughs> just, you know, just, oh, yeah. just interacting with with my world in a playful way. That little part of me was was always wanting to come out, but it was never safe, never safe, never safe. And it was uh, it was when I went to a shaman uh, right around the time I wrote for Every Dog and Angel, who had done this journey for me, and he came back with a message that the sister before me who had died at three weeks of, of sudden infant death syndrome, as so many children did back then, and then the next child came along, it was me. He told me that I was the sister before who had abandoned the family. Now, he didn't know any of this. He, he just was go- talking about things, and suddenly he, he's talking about this. He didn't know my past. He, had, he, didn't, he didn't have any reason to put those pieces together. So that little child was just waiting, 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 and I was always fascinated by swords. I don't know why. I was. I remember Arthur, the legend of Arthur, when I was a little girl. I even played If Ever I Would Leave You from the Camelot musical when I was eight years old in a in a piano recital. I still have the program. This was before the movie came out or or anything. I, I remembered Arthur. And I think I even remember maybe thinking Arthur could save me. You know, maybe there was something something that, about Arthur who was so noble and true. But, but all that was locked away somewhere in my brain and in my heart until the perfect scene of a, of a child raging against a parent with a sword, with intent to kill, because when I was almost nine, I tried to set the house on fire. My mother caught me and stopped me, but at that point I was so desperate that I was I was t- desperate, but I was tenacious. And I was stuffing rags into the window well where my father's workshop was, trying to light them. You know, and my mother stopped me then. And at this point, I think I just I just figured I'm just going to keep hanging on, and I'll be stubborn. I will make it. That's the adult until sometime when, when maybe this can all be put behind me, but it never was. It was never put behind me until I saw someone on television do something. And what I believe is I saw him, this Arthur, rage against my father. That's how I interpreted it. Is finally, someone was standing up for me. He did what I never could do, what my mother wouldn't do. Nobody had ever ever stood up for me. He did that for me, and, and that was apparently all I needed. Seconds later, my anger was gone, and I was filled with gratitude and joy, and then the miracles would start happening, one after another, after another, as I went on this crazy, wild adventure <laughs> that I never could have seen coming. That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing, and I, I love what you say, the last sentence um, on your website, as it uh, describes the book, and every word is true. <laughs> yes. Every word is true. You've, you've lived it. It's your sacred story. Did you do the illustrations also on this book? I did. I I hadn't anticipated that, that I was going to do illustrations. I knew it was going to look magical, and I knew I wanted it to look like a like a storybook, so it does look like a storybook. I had to be truthful and honor the journey that was given to me, because most of the books out there on surviving childhood abuse, you know, they're very, they look, they're in the psychology section, and they're, they have maybe a forbidding image on the front. I couldn't do that. It wasn't what I was given. So I, I decided to do the illustrations, and I started with the map of my life, and which I had no idea I was going to do. And as soon as I, as soon as I drew a map that had three kingdoms, and all of the kingdoms had pizza places in them, I knew I was going to be safe with the illustrations. That was me. <laughs> my, well, my Camelot definitely sells pizza. 
<laughs> well, the you know the the other part of it that um, makes it so beautiful is is it is so welcoming, and and you'll be able to reach a lot of people, you know, through the side door um, that many of us otherwise probably wouldn't be able to reach, or um, you know that kind of thing. So, what I what I would come to realize. And again, I didn't know how this would unfold, how long it would take. I could never have expected all of the people that would find me on my journey and contribute stories or ideas. I never would have known I would have lost my beloved Kitty Star in the middle of all of this to cancer. But I knew then that it was about joy. There's enough books out there about let's go into the darkness, you know, let's let's get that all out. That simply wasn't what was given to me. What was given to me was the possibility of joy, the reality of joy, even coming through something so horrendous, and that was what I needed to talk about. In fact, I'm doing a workshop next month, or uh, in August, and that's what it's about. It's I, it's I called it Dancing With Your Dragons, Reclaiming the Passionate Life You Were Born to Live, because that's what happened to me. I I have a wonderful sword that I had fashioned for me, and I named her Clarity, and, and right down the sword I have the words, always follow your heart, and I have a wizard tent and, and a big stuffed dragon, and that was my journey with coming through abuse. I, I found that there's so many people out there, especially women, but not only women, but so many women who even if they didn't come through abuse, maybe they've been in troubled marriages or they they just have lost their passion. And I think that's why this was given to me, so mm-hmm. I could show people that there's always, there's always hope for miracles and there's always an ability to reclaim passion, even if it feels like it's lost forever. And I certainly thought it was lost forever, but it wasn't. Wow. It, what's fascinating to me is that... Um you know, we're we're meeting for the first time ever on air, and it's almost like we were cousins and grew up on the same road. <laughs> really? I, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, my new book, which uh, you'll you'll discover, is is entitled "When Did You Die? Eight <gasps> Steps to Stop Dying Every Day and Start Waking Up." And it tells a lot about my sacred story of you know my upbringing and my woundology of just how I died a lot uh, psychologically and otherwise spiritually and energetically uh, growing up. And, um, you know, so it, it, it talks about all of those things and, you know, that through that, how also I met a shaman when I was 38 years old and how um, parts of me that were lying dormant and part of the walking dead, you know, really woke up. And so anyway, yeah, isn't that fascinating? <laughs> you you so know what? I, I just got goosebumps with what you just said because, as I mentioned earlier, my mom was in hospice, and I remember the day I got the call that said, you need to come quickly. Your mother is actively dying, which is a term that they use in hospice when a when a patient is coming to the last hours or maybe day or two of their life. And it wasn't until I wrote this book that I thought, I've been actively dying most of my life. Mm. I wasn't suicidal. It wasn't as if I wanted to bring about the end of my life, but my heart and my soul and my and my mind were in that place that there's nothing to live for. I'm I'm on the road to dying, I won't live long. So, what you just talked about in your new book, which I can't wait to get to see, I understand those words very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so it's so true for you know so many, and um, we we tend to talk about a one event this round about the idea of death, whereas um, we're either dying or are living a, a bit every day. Well, I certainly feel blessed today has just been extra, super duper, duper, duper special for me, um, meeting a kindred spirit um, on the show. And I just feel that. And I, I look forward to a continuation of our conversation. I want to remind everyone that I'm talking today with Christine Davis. Uh, she is the author of many books. So if you're an animal lover, 
If you uh, love learning more about a sacred journey and want to know about mythology and discovering your own sacred story and how you can come back to life in a greater way and and see how life can change you if, if you let it, go to her website, Light Hearted Press, Light, L-I-G-H-T, Hearted, E-D, Press.com, and you can stay in touch with Chris keep up with I have a feeling we've only just begun in all the things we're going to be hearing about her in the futures. Chris, thank you so much for sharing you and all that you are and everything that your heart does in supporting and helping this amazing journey that we call life. I look forward to having you on our show again. Thank you for being with us. Thank you again, Temple. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. From mayhem to miracle, from disaster to divine, Rants to Revelations Radio finds the opportunities for spiritual growth in everyday moments. Drawing from current headlines to pop culture, Reverend Ogan blurs the lines between the sacred and the profane, bringing meaning to the meaningless with guests who are dedicated to transforming the world for good. Join Ogan live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central for Rants to Revelations Radio. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on this message from Daily Word. Is something in your life causing you concern? Don't be discouraged. The presence of God is peace and harmony, healing and creative ideas, is with you every moment of every day, providing the help you need. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. You are a spiritual being, blessed with all that you need for happiness and fulfillment. God's wisdom will guide you. God's strength will help you do all that you need to do. And God's joy will lighten your heart with hope and courage. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. The base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that Source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Rev. Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation Podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.